Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm Sarah Germain Lilly. And I'm Trisha Cook. On today's show, we expand on our conversation on guns and cinema with director Ethan Cohen and writer Mary Molina. The interview took place a couple of years ago, pre-COVID, during a film festival we were all attending. I've worked with both Ethan and Mary in the past and was curious how they would approach the subject of guns in cinema, knowing each of them have used guns in films they've created. I personally have mixed feelings about guns in films. I don't seem to mind them if they're used in self-defense, but they have a hard time watching any movie with senseless violence, particularly gun violence. Yeah, me too. And I'm a high school teacher, so I worry about the influence of violent films and television, um, just the imagery of guns being pounded into my students' brains. And I know for myself, I feel drained sometimes and depressed after watching a violent film, even if it's great literature or if it's great filmmaking. It can affect me for days. That's the power of film, I think. Yeah, I, I usually just choose not to go to see films that I think are going to be ridiculously violent uh, or have you know, a lot of gratuitous violence in them. There's so many other movies to choose from. It's, it's a mixed bag, but it certainly is. Um, it's so much a part of our culture. Yeah. Yeah. As we will, as we will hear in this upcoming interview. Okay. Now, before we get into the interview, we have an in memoriam at Gays Against Guns meetings and on our radio show, we remember someone who has died from gun violence. It's a powerful reminder of why we march. Gun violence affects us all. Today's in memoriam is for Darnell Dahl Donerson, Jason Hudson, and Julian Hudson, all family members of actress and singer Jennifer Hudson. Thank you to Libby Edwards for contributing this in memoriam. Jennifer Hudson first came to national attention in 2004 when she was a finalist on America's Got Talent. In 2007, she won a Best Supporting Actress Oscar for her role in Dreamgirls. She is now starring as Aretha Franklin in the motion picture Respect. Tragically, she also came to national attention in October 2008 when her family members were shot to death by her sister's estranged husband. Today's In Memoriam will recall the deaths of Jennifer's family and will especially honor the youngest victim of this gun violence, her nephew Julian. The murders began at 9 a.m. with shots fired through the front door of the family's south side Chicago home, injuring Jennifer's 29-year-old brother Jason. As a gunman blasted his way through the door, Jennifer's 57-year-old mother, Darnell, or Dahl, Donerson, still in her nightgown, came into the room and was instantly killed. Jason Hudson was later found shot in the head in his bedroom. 
Following the shootings, Julian was abducted from his home by the shooter who was his stepfather. Three days later, his body was found on the seat of a van covered with a shower curtain. He had been shot in the head multiple times. Seven-year-old Julian was quite tall for his age, having already reached the height of five feet. He was a round-cheeked, good-natured boy who went by the nickname of Juicebox. Jennifer also called him her tug-a-bear. He liked reading, hanging out with his grandmother, and playing outside with his friends. He also enthusiastically followed Blue, the dog from the TV show Blue's Clues. One of his favorite notions was to come up with ideas to hatch. At the funeral, Julian's horse-drawn coffin was covered with a large teddy bear and red roses. Jennifer and Julian's mother, Julia, honored him by creating the Julian D. King Gift Foundation, which aids needy children in the Chicago area. One of its notable activities is Hatch Day on August 14th, Julian's birthday. Hatch Day is one of Chicago's largest charitable events. Just this past Saturday, Julia and Jennifer appeared in person to give children backpacks filled with face masks, hand sanitizers, school supplies, and tablets. Jennifer credits her strength to rise above this heartbreak to her brother's encouragement to keep on it and the determination her mother gave her to always move forward. Thank you, Libby, for that powerful in memoriam. And now we are going to hear from Ethan Cohen, Mary Molina, and Trisha Cook on Guns in the Cinema. A couple of years ago, I went down to Columbia with Ethan Cohen and Mary Molina. And while I had them both, I figured I'd talk to them about guns in cinema. Mary is originally from Columbia, and uh, they both had some interesting things to say. All right, I'm here in uh, the Sierra Nevada with Ethan Cohen and Mary Molina. Hey. Hello. To start out, why don't you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves? Uh... I make movies uh, with my brother, and we've done a number of movies that are, I don't know what you would call them, thrillers that um, actually have gun violence in them. That's good. Uh, I'm primarily primarily a writer. I write by myself. Uh, no brother involved. Um, I like to focus on comedy, but uh, I guess like a weird, funky kind of comedy that maybe is funny to me, but not necessarily other people. Uh, and sometimes I use violence in order to get people to laugh. I'm admitting to this. <laughs> Please forgive me. Well, that's a good lead into my first question, which is, is gun violence ever justified in film? Yeah, of course. I mean, it sort of depends on the story uh, if, or, you know, who that character is and where they are. Uh, but yeah, I mean, violence is, we are violent people. We live in a violent society. So yeah, of course it's, um, part of storytelling, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Especially part of storytelling because stories are often, um, 
you know, the storyteller reaches for um, high stakes, you know, life or death stakes. It's, uh, you know, that's um, that's been the case since long before there were guns and continues to be the case now. Yeah. Okay, well, why guns? Can't the high stakes be created with other devices? Well, would it be better if it were knives instead of guns? Um, I think it would just be weird if people always bayoneted each other in movies instead of shooting each other. It just doesn't reflect the reality of how, where, where we live, who we are. Uh, yeah, but I do think that there is an over-reliance on guns. Um, you know, we can get similar, not the same necessarily, but we can get similar stakes if we're using things like, let's say, for example, your character is, um, you know, she's been recently pissed off by her boyfriend and all of a sudden she pulls a knife out of her kitchen drawer. Um, that feels contextually right to me. Um, or let's say, for example, somebody has come into your apartment and you want to fend them off. So, you know, can we, you know, would we immediately reach for a gun or could we reach for a bat or something like that? So, I mean, I, I think, I think guns are, are sort of an easy out sometimes in storytelling. Um, I think we can get more creative in terms of like how we kill people in film. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but I mean, I, I, then other, you know, obviously like if you're looking at a cop or it just, you know, context is so much a part of this. It's also, uh, who your audience is and, um, who your characters are, where, where you want to put them, what you want their kind of arc to be. And I mean, yeah, Ethan's right. I think one of the things that we pay attention to absolutely is stakes. I mean, that's what keeps us watching, but, um, but we can develop stakes in lots of different ways. It doesn't have to be just, you know, put a gun in the scene and, and, uh, you know, there it is. Can I just endorse Mary's thought that we should be more creative in how we kill people in movies? I mean, that's what I've been trying to do all my career. Well, and there's something about gun violence that is, it feels a little lazy. It feels like the quick, easy answer to resolving a conflict that doesn't give it any depth. You know, it's just kind of like, all right, there's a bad guy and we're going to shoot him and then that'll be the end of the bad guy. And well, maybe there's another way to tell the story that doesn't involve just easily offing people because that's the way to the next scene. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean, but I'm not sure it has to do with guns. It's like the laziness of, uh, you know, dispensing with the character in a pat way with yeah. whatever means getting rid of them in a pat way. I mean, I think the problem is more, but also I don't know that there's anything you can do about it. Sometimes you watch a movie and you think, wow, the gun is it's being treated in a kind of fetishistic way. And that's like creepy, like it would be in life. Somebody who has a gun fetish, you know, is really into the thing itself. Um, yeah, that's kind of creepy. You do see that occasionally, but I don't really know what you can do about it. The person who made the movie doesn't think he's creepy. So I'm not sure what you can do. Um, all right. Well, often films use gratuitous gun violence to create an adrenaline rush. There must be a better way to pull people in. I mean, I, I think that right now with draws people into theaters are massive action movies where actually, you know, half the time they're not using guns. They're using kind of lasers or atomic something or other, or sh like, you know, smegma. I don't know. Like what are those things called? The... <laughs> <laughs> I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go see that movie. 
<laughs> or like, you know, globs of something that go flying and trap people against walls or something. I don't know. So, so you know, we're, it, the, the, guns these days are in the types of movies that are kind of like blockbuster films or, or sort of a, a moot point because we're moving into this age of like, you know, futurism. Um, but, you know, it, the adrenaline rush going back to, to what we were talking about earlier comes from, you know, is, and something that Ethan talked about earlier is, you know, is the guy going to make it? Like is, you know, we're invested in this person and we want to know whether or not they're going to A, get the thing that they want and B, if they're going to survive, right? Because we've already invested X number of minutes with this person and so we want them to, we want to find out what's going to happen to them. Um, could we, could we create an adrenaline rush without involving guns? Probably. Do we want some threat of violence? Generally that helps or a, the threat of loss. Okay. Do you have anything to add? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, no, I agree with all of that. I have a general thing to add. I just think that gun violence is such an enormous social problem that fixating on one of the small consequences of that problem, which is, you know, gun violence in movies just seems strangely misguided. It'll always be there as long as it's this huge social problem. Uh, so I'm not... I'm just, I'm confused about what, what, what the utility is of addressing gun violence in movies. You are listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show here on listener-sponsored commercial-free radio, WBAI. We are here every Tuesday at 2.30, bringing you the latest in gun violence prevention movement news. Next, we'll hear more in a wide-ranging discussion of film, guns, and culture from Tricia Cook, filmmaker Ethan Cullen, and writer Mary Molina. Do you think desensitizing guns poses any ethical dilemmas? I mean, I think the reason why people watch movies is because, or are drawn to movies that have gun violence, whether that's gun violence or sludge violence, is that they're like, you know, we have a moral code. We have a moral ethic that's guiding our everyday, or we, majority of us do. So it we get invested and we get that adrenaline rush because we are thinking, oh my God, you know, is this guy going to get hurt? I don't want him to get hurt, right? So we're really what draws people in is not our need to like watch people get killed, but we want to watch people survive. That's actually kind of what, what, what we as viewers want. Yeah. No, I well agree. Said. I agree. And, and again, it's kind of the same point. The main desensitizer to gun violence is there's so many guns around. It's not the the reflection of that in movies. Why focus on guns and television? I think we have to look holistically, like culturally, where we are as a society, particularly in the United States, and where, you know, to me, the the real problem, or I mean, I shouldn't say the real problem because I haven't studied this, but like, to me, one of the problems is the relationship that Americans have created between guns and freedom. Somehow, because this was put in the Constitution, they have created this connection between democracy 
and owning a weapon, which in like any sophisticated society just feels like, you know, redundant, um, <laughs> for, or absurd. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so I, I think that that's really the question. Like, what is the pathology behind, you know, the, the need to own a weapon? That's kind of where, where I would want the conversation to go. Okay. Um, those are all the questions I have. Do you guys have anything else to add? I want to talk more about this idea of killing people with smegma. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about movies that you feel are justified in their gun use and some that feel gratuitous. Isn't it? It's hard to think of um, a movie where the gun use is gratuitous, where you go, wow, it would have been a better movie without all that gunplay. I can't think of any. Mm. Mm. That's true. All right. Uh, I mean, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I think that's because I'm not it's... drawn to those kinds of movies, so I don't go and see them. Well, you know, like any well, kind of what like kind of movies. That's uh, I don't know. I feel like the like the '80s, '90s, 2000s, some like Sylvester Stallone movies or Rambo type movies, where it's just kind of like a body count. It's racking up body count, or even something like John Wick or something where, you know, it's really just about watching him kill people. Well, but. I, I really like the movie Yojimbo, and that's like a perfect description of Yojimbo. Uh, where is that the one with the samurais? So, yeah. And then they just like uh, one samurai after the other is... Well, it's the one guy racking up... Uh, racking, racking up them. Body. Right, and that's not gun violence. That's uh, samurai sword. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, but... But that, again, going back to this idea of like holistically having a conversation about, okay, maybe not we as Americans, but we as, a, as like a global society. I mean, I don't know. I Going back to something I said earlier, we have, we are violent people. You know, we, a human can be, a person can be pushed to the edge so much so that they are, they resort to violence. Um, so there's, it's, it's really more about exploring, you know, what that is, you know. Jojimbo is based on uh, actual. Isn't it based on actual on like an actual uh, samurai or? Yeah, it's actually loosely based on a Dashiell Hammett novel. Oh really? Red Harvest. Yeah, Red Harvest. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, but anyway, but but even um, some of Kurosawa's films, like Jojimbo. Uh, well, but other films. <laughs> <laughs> but other of his films are, are have some historical context, right? Uh, and have to do with uh, dynasty and clan frictions. Um, so, I mean, we're, this that goes back to like what, um, 1500s, 1600s. Uh, yeah. So, like, what what is that about? Like, you know, we feel threatened, and therefore we have to decimate villages. Like, what's the what's the bigger conversation that we're not having and why are we focusing on, uh, on guns on, with, why are we focusing strictly on guns in cinema? Well, because this is a radio show about <laughs> gun violence. Can I take, yeah. But I, but you know, the gun is the, is the extension is it's not, it's the gun is the, is the tool, you know, there is a, there's a thing that happens, I think, in your brain that causes you to, to connect to weapons in that way. And that's the thing that I would wanna that I would wanna know more about. I wanna take I wanna take exception to your saying that uh, like Rambo's uh, an example of um 
gratuitous gun violence. Uh, because it wasn't gratuitous. Again, if you took the gun violence out of Rambo, you'd be left with a really bad movie about a kind of pissed off veteran who has feelings, I guess. I, I don't know what the movie oh, would whoa, be. Oh, weird. A movie about someone who has feelings. God Nobody forbid. watches those movies. <laughs> but, uh, that's not, I'm talking about Rambo without the gun violence, not with all the wonderful things that you would add to it. Uh -huh. I'm talking about without the, in quotes, gratuitous gun violence. I mean, I can speak to Rambo because I've, I've never seen it, but I know that there are a fair number of Sylvester Stallone movies, especially after Rambo, that did have a lot of gun violence that... But is that even bad? It's an, it's a fantasy about, like Yojimbo, it's well, a fantasy about the good guy getting rid of all the bad guys. But it's only bad when people can't differentiate uh, fiction from reality. Yeah, but those people are lunatics. <laughs> I mean, that's the definition of a lunatic. I will say that I do feel like there are films, and though I, none are coming to mind right now, that I feel use violence against women gratuitously in order to motivate a character to ha to do something, right? So maybe like the Liam Neeson movies are, are a great example, like Taken, although I... I found the first taken to be quite satisfying. Please forgive me, um, but uh, but yeah, like I, I th there's always that. There's some some woman is being used or being uh, slapped or kidnapped or something that then motivates a male character to you know save the day, and that feels easy and gratuitous. Yeah, yeah, right. That can feel creepy, like um, like fetishizing guns can feel creepy. Right. But it's just really hard to, uh, again, I don't know what you do about it, because how do you define that creepiness and get rid of it? It's not creepy to the people who made, made it or like it. Well, that's all we have time for today. Uh, let's wrap up our show. To find out more about working with us, please go to gazeagainstguns.net or follow us at gazeagainstgunsny on Facebook and Instagram or gag no guns on Twitter. Also, be sure to check out our website to learn more about our gag chapters located nationwide in places like DC and Provincetown or even how to start your own chapter. Come to our meetings. Here in New York, we meet virtually every other Thursday at 7 p.m. Our next meeting is in September, where we will be planning all kinds of great action and protests. So please join us. Everybody is welcome at any and all gag events. Remember, all are welcome to come to gag meetings. And did you know that the so-called gun rights groups and lobbyists are funded at a level up to 10 times the funding of gun violence prevention groups. That means that every dollar that you spend to support organizations like Moms Demand Action or Gays Against Guns works hard to protect us all against violence. Another great way to get involved is to become a BAI buddy in the name of our show, Radio Gag. A BAI buddy is someone who keeps our unique volunteer-run radio show going by giving a small donation every month. Even a $5 monthly contribution can really help keep us on air here at WBAI to bring you this live show every week. But why not contribute $25 or more monthly to WBAI? 
you can just go to give to wbai.org or call 212-209-2950 to become a BAA buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening. We are back next Tuesday and every Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. And don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBAI website or on any major podcast platform. We leave you with our fabulous political singing quartet, Sing Out Louise. Shake it up, baby, now. Shake it up, baby. Resist and shout. Resist and shout. Come on, come on, come on, come on, baby, now. Shake it up, baby, now. Shake it up, baby. Resist and shout.